With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome back to the Anonymous Eagle podcast. My name is Patrick Leary. I'm joined, as always, by Sam Newberry. Uh, Sam, how about that uh, Indiana game, huh? This is the part where, where I really wish I had, like, a comically large air horn to just, like, bleep out every other word I want to yeah. say. Yeah, um, I'm really going wasn't to, good. I'm going to hold my tongue and just say in the, the immortal words, uh, we are who we thought we were. Yeah, Denny <laughs> Green. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, we can just jump right into it, um, not waste time beat around the bush about how bad that was. Um, and I guess the really distressing thing is it was just so bad from the start. They were never in the game. And it really, like, was a game that at least I personally was hyped for. I think, um, you know, going into the season with as much expectations as Marquette has, um, I think that uh, people were really excited to see them in a legitimate test game right off the bat. And I don't think you could say that they really passed the test in any way, shape, or form. I don't think there was really anything that they did particularly well. Um, if you want to start with some positives um, in the start, I thought Joey Hauser played reasonably well. I mean, that's like the only positive silver lining I can think of in that game. It was just so awful, but he did, you know, shoot yeah. six of nine from the field and score 18 points. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, it was just so terrible. Um, they were never in the game. And that's really the, the distressing thing is I think um, not only did you want to see them, you know, show out in a, in a decent way in their first test, but you wanted to at least see them um, uh, perform and show what it's like to be in a good game with a good team, or at least look like they're on the caliber of the of the f- good team across the court from them, and they just really didn't show that at all. Um, what stood out to you um, in the game? I mean, it, we'll get into the almost debacle about Presbyterian, too, but the offense looks broken, and or it looks, I mean, just bad. And yeah, if you would have told really me before terrible. the year that this was going to be an offensive struggle of a year, um, yeah, we're putting up points. But, you know, in the Indiana game, Sam and Marcus combined to go 3 of 15 from 3. Yeah. The team as a whole goes 5 of 23. Um the team goes 18 of 26 at the free throw line. Um, Sakar goes 2 of 7 from the floor without taking a 3 um, and doesn't get any foul shots. I mean, something's not clicking right now, and I, I don't know what it is. And, you know, we can talk about, and we will talk about how bad the defense was against Indiana Yeah, and how we feel about that going forward, but... It shouldn't have been an offensive struggle. No, I mean, and so something that occurred to me, um, and it wasn't really reflective in the turnovers, although I will say, and I think Wojo pointed this out in his uh, post game against Presbyterian, um, that the turnovers for me have been the worst part about the offense so far this season. Um, you know, they've had some prolonged stretches of poor shooting, 
Um, a lot of the Indiana portion against Indiana was because they weren't moving the ball um, and uh, were settling for bad shots because they were so out of rhythm and so far behind. Um, but I thought a lot of the defensive struggles against An- Indiana were set up by poor offense at the other end, whether it be turnovers or um, missed bad shots. And Indiana has the athletes and the uh, players to capitalize on that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and on that note, I just Romeo Langford's really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Romeo, like, Romeo, Romeo. He's, the, he's the real deal, man. And he was as advertised yeah. 22 points. He, you know, he again wasn't shooting particularly well from deep. Uh, Indiana shot it well because of that Fitzner guy. Oh my goodness, the transfer, yeah, that dude just like shoots it from like where Marcus Howard has to like you know jump on his tippy toes to try to like hold it over his head and then shoot it over him. I mean, that kid was. Kid was huge, and he was just dropping him in. Um, and yeah, I mean, it just was really disconcerting. Um, what uh, really pissed me off um, was there was a stretch early in the game where Marquette took the timeout when they went down eight to two, um, and then for I don't know why he would do this. And this is just maybe maybe it's like the I'm not a coach, and Steve Wojciechowski's a coach, but. I don't know why if you're down 10 to 4 and I know Marcus is not playing well um, to start he had those two turnovers to start that were really poor and but I just don't know why you would take Sam Hauser and Marcus Howard out in that environment when you're already getting run on and then predictably three possessions later you're down 19 to 4 and you have to call timeout again and it's like well if you were trying to settle a run why do you take your two best players out? And I mean, I know, again, Marcus wasn't playing well to start that game, and Marcus didn't play well at all this week in either game. But it's just like, I, you can't hope to win on the road with this lineup. It was the lineup they had in when Indiana went on that run to sort of put them down by 15 in a hole that they could never get out of. It was like Ed Morrow, guy who hasn't played college basketball really for the better part of the last two years. Um, you know, all the sort of the younger players were in at that point, and it, it was just a, it was a weird choice. Um, it was not a very you know lineup that had a lot of chemistry, um, and it just when you take your two best players out that early in a game in that hostile environment that not a lot of the you know rest of the team has played in, I just don't understand that kind of decision making. But um, I don't know. Uh, what did you think about Wojo in that game? Do you think it was – how do you sort of lay the blame um, for the results? Do you put a lot of it on Wojo? Do you put a lot of it on sort of the poor play of the guys that were on the court? Um, I mean, I think – and I, I was texting this with a buddy um, yesterday in regards to the Presbyterian game. Um, and guys are going to miss shots. There's going to be nights where your, your star shooter is just not going to be hitting threes. That happens. And Marquette doesn't look like it's a team built to click, really, if Sam and Marcus aren't working. And I, I, now, now I guess Joey Hauser, too. Joey Hauser was single-handedly playing his guts yeah. out against Presbyterian. I and um, I like Joey a lot. Yeah, I, Joey's, Joey can play. Yeah, he's, he's very quickly becoming my favorite player he's, next to Sam. Yeah. And, I mean, you know... We have never seen, at least in my opinion, we've never seen an in-game adjustment that's worked incredibly well. I think you raise a very good point. Why is Wojo pulling out the guys that are going to score and going to make the offense work when you're in an early hole? I mean, you can talk it all up like, oh, well, it's, it's giving them a kick in the ass or it's 
you know, trying to make a point or whatever it is, it wasn't the right move. It's such a poor time to make a point. It's like, okay, if you, like, lose these next, like, three, four possessions, then you're going to be out of the game for good, and it's not the time when you need to, like, yell at your most experienced players who are going to be the ones to get you out of that rut. I don't know. It's just... Just made me really angry. I, to a certain extent, um, thought Marcus was probably the most responsible um, for how badly the team played. Um, I just think he, when he had those early turnovers, which was difficult to see, that he wasn't ready for them to sort of hit him that hard. Like on the sort of they when they would slide help over. Like, what do you expect, man? You're like the you're the guy with like the you know all the hype. So you got to be able to, you know, be ready for the scouting report to come right to you. And I just thought that after those early turnovers, he stopped trying to get to the into the paint at all or even penetrate beyond the three-point line at all. And I thought that that really hurt Marquette because when Marquette is forced to only, you know, they're a very good jump shooting team, but when they're forced to just sit on the perimeter and take contested shots. Like no team can win like that, and especially, and they're they're not capable of doing it either. Regardless of how good at shooting threes, they need penetration to be able to get open looks and sort of start to, you know, pull away from teams that way. You kind of saw it in the Presbyterian game when they finally started clicking. They were getting these open looks, and you know the the lid blew off of the game eventually when they started making the shots, but. There's no way that if Marcus is tentative settling from beyond the arc and you know not penetrating that they're going to be able to set up uh, the offense in the optimal way. And again, I think a lot of sort of the long range misses um, were ways that Indiana you know was able to pounce on them quickly um, as they moved uh, you know down the floor with tempo. And obviously, you know once they got down in the hole the the arena was going crazy and it just kind of like it snowballed and they were just really never in that game and it was uh it was tough to see because i think a lot of people expected them to be somewhat competitive and they just weren't at all um yeah that that was a game where we a loss is fine right in the pure win-loss column mm-hmm. of that of like if you go in and lose by six in Assembly Hall to a very good Indiana team, who's probably going to be a top 20 team by the end of the year, like, yeah, yeah that happens. But we just looked anti-competitive. We right. looked like we didn't belong in the same gym as Indiana. We looked like a bye game. Yeah. And that shouldn't be the case for a team with the, the amount of talent the market has and, you know, the expectations market has this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and frankly, like, you can always talk oh, well, yeah, we still don't have, like, an elite perimeter defender. You know, Sakar was basically invisible besides a few good defensive possessions on Romeo Langford. Yeah, Sakar was... Uh, Sakar really hasn't played well in a while. It's not good because he was one of the important veteran cogs, and he was having games last year in the Big East again where he could score upwards of 25 points, and he just really hasn't found any sort of consistency so far this year, and that's no. kind of been hurting them a little bit. Yeah, got he, yanked out of the starting lineup on Saturday. Yeah, and um, he did end up still playing, I mean, right. uh, 18 minutes, uh, more so than Jamal Kane, who started in his place, who played 15 minutes. Um, but by the end of the game, he'd been phased out because they yeah. were going with that... Uh, the Double Hauser. The Hauser lineup yeah. with uh, Chartuni in there, who we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to say about Indiana? I think we can get, once we get through the Presbyterian game, we can kind of get a whole, like, sort of look out at the landscape as a whole. But, 
Yeah, I think the Indiana game, we're recording this on Sunday in the Indiana game. Um, you know, as Marquette probably should, we would also like to flush it from our memories. Um, but yeah, it was really just not fun. And especially since we put, I think, I, I mean, again, you and I both in our season preview podcast um, predicted them to lose this game. I didn't think, um, you know, it's hard when you're when the season hasn't started yet and you're thinking about it to sort of picture what it's going to look like. But I don't think either of us, I don't know, maybe we thought it could look like that, but I didn't think we wanted it to at all. And, or, and as we were trying to conjure up what Marquette looks like as a basketball team, I didn't think getting completely run off the court by uh, a road team that is considered sort of on their, or excuse me, as a road team, by a team that's sort of considered at least around or on their level. Um, and it was just really disconcerting. Yeah. So speaking of disconcerting, Presbyterian. Oh, God. Um, oh, so oh, oh. you will have to carry me a little bit here. Um, I, had, I was uh, busy yesterday, but I did watch about, you know, 12 minutes of the end of the first half um, and then caught up by watching sort of the highlights of the the big run to put it away. Um yeah, I mean they shot some somewhere around like like eighteen percent in the first half or something. Yeah, it was it was miserable. Yeah, and so the the real concern I guess um, with that is that this is a team that needs excellent offense to win games, not just above average offense. Excellent offense because they play below average defense still. Yeah, no, I they, mean, they do. They do. Yeah, I mean, they're playing above-average defense against bad teams. But in the one game that they played, uh, you know, the one game that they played below-average defense was the one game that was actually a good team. Yeah. So it's not, you know, it's too early to declare the defense anything but slightly below-average at best at this point. So they need really excellent offense to win, and... To see how many times that they've already this season in four games and three against teams that, you know, are... Cupcakes? Are, yeah, by games, essentially. Um, are it's, it's disconcerting to see how much, how many stretches of poor offense they've had. Um, I don't want to go as far as to say that the loss of Andrew Rousey is significantly hurting their offense um but as if this continues i'm sort of verging on that um verging towards that take i guess i mean i think my biggest issue is that marcus just isn't a like rousey was always going to be a shooter and a scorer and a volume shooter and a volume scorer but he could still run the offense marcus has looked awful running the offense just pure and simple he's not somebody that's cre- like designed to create the offense or be the focal point of like the initiation of the offense right now he, he turned it over seven times against presbyterian another four against indiana um he's looked good off the ball as he always does and he's looked good getting into the paint but he's just having a miserable time trying to be the lead guard and yeah, he needs to play off the ball. I think that's kind of. Just I think I think that that's probably the conclusion, yeah. um, which leads me to a couple of things. The first being that thank God Joseph Chartuni has arrived in in at least 
the last 10 minutes of the most recent game because um, he is a game changer from the standpoint of, like you said, getting Marcus off the ball and then also contributing with three-point shooting, question mark? Like, wow. He was was three of four um, of those three. But he made all three in a stretch where they came back in the second half. I mean, that was huge. Yeah, and he finally looks like the guy he was advertised as. He He played good defense. He ran the offense really well. He had some really, like, well-initiated drives. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he – I mean, he obviously shot well, which, you know, we weren't expecting. Um, They did a really good job of getting him into the paint and then giving him the space to finish. So Mm -hmm. I think one uh, possession in particular that stood out to me was um, him just completely leaving his defender in the dust at the perimeter. And Theo John immediately recognized that and cleared out the lane by – boxing out his defender to give Chartuni a wide-open layup. Mm-hmm. Like, Chartuni is an essential... Like, he's going to have to be an essential cog in the offensive machine. Yeah. Like, he's going to have to continue doing stuff like he did against Presbyterian, I think, for Marquette to succeed. Yeah, and I don't think he necessarily means to make three threes in a game. No. But but, but I think what you, kind of what I was talking about earlier with how Marcus needs to be able to dribble, dribble penetrate to, you know, make Marquette's offense work. If a guy like Chartuni can do that, I mean, Marcus might not have to do it as much. And I think that Marquette, given that they rely a lot on shooters and, you know, preferably having them be open set shots as opposed to sort of, you know, any sort of motion-taking three-pointers, with the exception of maybe Marcus, um, having a guy like Chartuni to be able to consistently... Um, penetrate and then be able to have that penetration by virtue of hey look he actually can make jump shots this is encouraging um, that was a huge step and I I mean they probably could have eked that one out without him but I mean there's he, no way I don't think there's a way in which that game is comfortable if right. Chartuni doesn't have Correct. that good stretch and he keyed it I mean like they were down by six and I believe he made the shot when they're now I might I think it might have been Joey Hauser. Um, but he, in those sort of higher, as the pressure started to bubble up, he really kicked his game up, and obviously that was the best game he's played all season um, by a, uh, a wide margin. Yeah. Um, kind of bigger picture on that um, Presbyterian game, um, as you look at uh, Marquette's Ken Palm page, um, their most common lineup, and I, I, I have a feeling that this has a lot to do, and again, I didn't watch so much of the second half, but I have a feeling this has a lot to do with the end of that Presbyterian game, that Marquette's most common lineup now over the last five games, which obviously is just four games and includes the entire season right now, is the Marcus Howard, Joseph Chartuni, Hauser Brothers, Theo John lineup. And that to me feels that if Chartuni is playing the way he played at the end of the Presbyterian game or near that level, that feels... Like clearly Marquette's best lineup right now. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't I, even think you can. I don't think you can debate that because, um, as far as like Sam and Joey at the three and the four, you know, you're not getting anything from Bailey right now. You're not really getting much from Kane, especially last game. Um, and Ed Morrow's not really doing much either. Um, Sam and Joey are the are the three four combination that works the best, and Chartuni is playing far better than Sakari and him right now. Um, and I really like that lineup. I think that lineup could be really good for Marquette. Um, I think that they're in sort of a position right now where they have so, well, not so many bodies, but they have, you know, nine rotation pieces, RIP Matt Hell, um, that are, you know, that they're trying to 
figure out ways to make it work in positive ways for all nine. And I think this lineup with Chartouni on the ball creating is as positive as a lineup as they've been able to conjure this season. Again, um, statistically, Theo John didn't play very well um, on uh, Saturday. And, I mean, I don't know if he played very well at all, but I still, you know, feel very encouraged by his development at this stage. Um, And I think he offers you sort of a beast uh, quality that Marquette hasn't really had um, in a long time. And so I just think that that lineup um, is really clicking for them right now. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason to not trot that lineup out against yeah. Kansas on Wednesday. I mean, that lineup should start, right? I mean, yeah. why wouldn't that lineup start? Is it? I mean, is it a thing of maybe you want to bring Joey Hauser off the bench? I mean, he he didn't come off. He started on against Presbyterian. I mean, so Chartuni was the one. Yeah, Chartuni was the one of those four guys that didn't start, yeah. right? So yeah, again, I don't. Uh, Jamal Kane probably would start again if he didn't go over five, um, but I think. Wojo is genuinely searching for what his best lineup is, um, and I think that that's his best lineup, and that's what they should go for from the start against Kansas. But yeah, I think the only issue I have with that lineup against Kansas, I mean, and I still agree that, that should be the lineup that starts against mm-hmm. Kansas. Um, you have the two Hauser brothers who are adequate defenders, but aren't incredibly athletic um, and aren't you know elite defenders. Um, so starting somebody like a Jamal Kane to play against like a Dedrick Lawson, maybe. But sure. I, I don't... Yeah, you're right. I mean, the Kansas athleticism yeah. could give the Hauser, both Hausers at the same time problems. That, yeah. That's a good point. But I, that would be the only reasoning why that's not the starting lineup. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, yeah, I don't I don't think there is a better lineup Marquette has right now. I That, that may change if Greg Elliott comes back and plays well. Um, that may change if Jamal Kane figures it out or Sakar figures it out or, um, you know, what have you. But um, I think right now... Um, the, the, the five should be uh, Chartuni, Marcus, the two Housers, and Theo John until further notice. Did you think um, that the start of the Presbyterian game was a bit of an effort issue? I didn't really, I didn't catch the first eight to nine minutes, so I didn't really get a sense of whether they were sort of lollygagging out of the gate. Um, I saw a lot of sentiment on Twitter saying like the the effort that this team is showing isn't great. Um, yeah. What did you think about that question? I suppose. Um, yeah, I think it was definitely an effort thing. Um, I mean, at one point it was even further in the game than that. It was at one point in the second, early in the second half, when Marquette went down six. Right. Um, I, I I tweeted out like Joey Hauser single handedly saving our season because he's sure. the only one that looks like he could be bothered to be out there. Everybody else seemed like until Chartuni came back in and started contributing that like he did, and Sam started contributing. You know, nobody else looked interested. Like um, I I have some special words for a particular player that I'm going to save till towards the end, but um, yeah, I, th- there's just been an effort issue and. Sure. We are talented enough to run with Indiana. We are talented enough to run with you know good teams and play good teams. The offense has been somehow not good. I mean, yeah, Ken Palm will say that they're the twenty-first best offense in terms of efficiency in the country. Sure, and they'll Ken Palm, but Ken Palm also says that they're the fifty-second best defense in the country. Mm-hmm. I don't believe either of those are true right now. I think we're a lot lower in both of those. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is 
predictive versus um, actual production. But, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't think the team's playing very well at all right now. Um, but I think there are, in my mind, it's not worth saying until we see Kansas State and Wisconsin. I guess it's not worth saying, okay, this team is screwed or this team is done or this team is much worse than we thought they were. I think that they have a lot of new pieces that they're trying to put together um, and that their rotation um, season to season is changing a lot. Um, And I think they're trying to sort of become a newer team because, again, they're trying to become less of this all-shooting, no-defense kind of team. Um, But you know what? It might might prove more difficult to uh, transition than we thought it would. Um, One thing you mentioned that I wanted to sort of have you expand on you think joey hauser is the mvp of the season so far it's kind of a, a hot takey kind of question him or sam uh, yeah i mean joey's certainly looked really good sam's shooting better um at least in terms of i mean so if you look at their uh pages or their right. stat lines sam's eight of nine from free throw he's sam's um, better inside the arc yeah, Sam's better inside the arc. Sam's better outside the it's, they're arc. They're pretty similar, but uh, they're all they're all class. very similar. Yeah, I think the only like so like Joey's gone to the free throw line more, but that's going to happen mm-hmm. because he does play a bit further inside the arc than Sam does. I'm excited about another almost two full seasons of the Howard brothers. I mean, you know, do they have to improve at the defensive end? Mostly Joey because he probably has the the higher potential for improvement. Yes. And it might it be difficult for them to play defensively together against teams like Kansas, like you said. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I just am really excited about their chemistry and their um, uh, both being sort of similar players at different positions. I think it's a cool um, yeah. asset for Marquette to have. Um, I've loved Theo John so far this season. Obviously, I don't think you could probably call him MVP or anything. Um, I think his growth has been really important. And again, I think it's just sort of a roster um, that's very deep. Um, but the collective is finding their roles. Um, do you think that uh, you know Greg Elliott is going to be an important returning piece, given sort of what you said about Marcus Howard really struggling on the ball? Um, I mean, I think he's going to have to be at yeah. this point. I, at first, I was very much in the redshirt him camp, sure, um, because he was always going to be a longer term prospect, and it'd be nice to have you know three more years of Greg instead of just two and a half. But, um, yikes, I mean, yeah, I've never been so excited to say I'm, like, ready for Greg Elliott to come back. Like, he was good last year, but I didn't think he would be essential in terms of, like, critical to this team's success. But it, Marcus has been not doing anything well um, in terms of, you know, running the offense. And if This week. I think he did well last week, personally. But, yeah. This but, week was obviously a bigger test, and the fact that he did not play well against Indiana and then had a hangover into Presbyterian is not dis- encouraging. Disconcerting. Yeah, yeah disconcerting. And, and, you know, that's fine. Um, I just think that getting Marcus further away from being the, a primary ball handler means that Greg Elliott's going to have to come back and back up Joseph Chartuni. Yes. Um, Sakar's shown flashes of being able to be that other person, but if he's not going to be... Contributing he, offensively, Sakar doesn't really handle the ball that well. That's the problem, I think. Is he is, yeah, he's slightly erratic with his handle. So I don't think you could ever really say, okay, Sakar, offensive keys are yours. I don't think that's I don't think that's something you could say. I think I mean 
Yes. So that's why I think Greg Elliott needs to come yeah. back is because I don't think you can do that with Sakar, and I think you need to be able to have three guys you can do that yeah. with. And, and Joey Hauser maybe. Joey Hauser is, you know, the yeah. next best after right. Chartuni right now mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. So he doesn't have great. Joey Hauser doesn't have great dribbling ability. No, but, but he's a playmaker. But he's a playmaker, and so I think that's what was my reasoning with Sakar is that Sakar can be a playmaker. Yeah. He's just not. I think Greg Elliott's a better playmaker. I think Joey Hauser's a better playmaker. So I, you know, Marcus Howard's going to still score in bunches. I just don't need the rest of the offensive burden falling on him too. That's fair. Um, okay, before we get into Kansas, um, let's uh, take a quick detour um, to uh, the Big East as a whole, which I would say Ooh. we are both very concerned about. Big East is bad, man. Yeah. I mean, I Yeah. Uh, so Big East started the season. Um, they were projected to be Ken Palm's fourth best conference. They are now the fifth best conference. The SEC has passed them. Um, and yeah, I mean it starts at the top. Villanova uh, losing to Furman um, after getting run out right. of the gym by Michigan the, in their home court. The Michigan thing was embarrassing, and it was really, really bad. Um, but also, I think Michigan is underrated. I think Michigan has the potential to be really good, and I think John Beeline is one of the handful to 10 best coaches in the entire country. Yeah. So you, the reason you can hand wash it is because of how good Michigan might be. The reason you can't is because you've never seen that ever happen to Villanova. No. Like under Jay Wright. It was the worst game I've ever seen them play. And then to follow that up and lose to a pretty decent but still somewhat unheralded mid-major in Furman. We're not 5-0, by the way. Furman. Yeah, they've beaten Loyola, too. Yeah. Like, that's, they, a, that's a good Furman team. Yeah. But you're Villanova. It's pretty funny. Uh, they've gone... They're three Division One games. They've gone to overtime twice and one by two the other one. They they went to overtime with both Gardner-Webb and Villanova. That's a real, uh, real uh, consistent performance. Um, yeah, I mean, so... Villanova, what worries me is I don't think they really have any sort of consistent offensive playmakers. Coming into this season, I think a lot was being thrown on guys like Pascal Booth and Gillespie. And, oh man, I don't know. Like, I, I think probably the biggest um, drop-off from their preseason hype to what they've actually performed is Javon Quinterly. People thought, you know, five-star recruit coming to Villanova, that's going to be a slam dunk. And obviously it hasn't. I mean, he didn't even play against Furman. And they were really sketchy about using him against Michigan. And so that really worries me that if Villanova is just some team this year, which they have really aggressively looked like just some team to start the season, that the Big East is going to be just some conference. Because Villanova... Has you know for better or worse, when the Big East has had its fluctuations in the back half, Villanova has always been the line leader that has sort of put the Big East over the top as a conference, and I'm really worried about the conference as a whole without Villanova there. Yeah, and I mean, there's really not somebody filling Villanova's void right, right now. I mean, yeah. yeah, Georgetown beat Illinois at Illinois, but then they lost to Loyola Maryland and had to fight to get a win against South Florida today. Um, Sure, St. John's is 3-0, but their best win. Lost to Loyal and Marymount. Marymount, not Maryland. Not Maryland. Although you would think it would be Loyal and Maryland, just no. based on like their uh, well, it was in the, Well, it was in the Jamaica. Oh, okay. But um, that notwithstanding, 
You know, Georgetown didn't make the title game of the Jamaica tournament. Um, St. John's has beat Rutgers away, but it's, you know, no known school Rutger. Yeah. Um, you know, Creighton got beat at home by Ohio State, who some people have probably underrated as a team. Ohio State's a pretty solid squad. Um, you know, yeah, St. John's. So I said St. John's. Um, Seton Hall. S- Seton Hall's lost two to ne- the only competition they've played in Nebraska and uh, Slew. Slew. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Butler's 3-0, but their best win is at Old Miss. Or was that in Indianapolis? Uh, it was in Indianapolis. Okay, so Butler has yeah. a, a good home win, but not a great one. Right. Um, it's just it's just not good. And did you mention Xavier? Because I thought Xavier, Xavier looked terrible. Xavier's looked bad. Um, Providence just got blown out today by Michigan, too. Right. And Providence has lost to Wichita State. Yeah. Um, you know, DePaul somehow looks okay, but they I don't played anybody. I don't think there's a team that's proved that they're good in the conference. No. I think is sort of the overall arching issue here, and that's really scary because of how there have been multiple good teams, including an elite team in Villanova every year that this conference has existed so far, and so it's really bad sign for the conference that um, you know the bottom might have fallen out of its depth. Um, for me, that worries me just because Marquette might need to do a lot better than their maybe so we would have said ten and eight probably given safe, given a yeah. decent non conference performance, ten and eight would have been pretty safe. Um now that there are, you know, a lot of bad losses flying left and right for these teams, um, it might not be uh Safe to, they might need to do a lot better than maybe we think they will. Yeah, in uh, in in conference to be a tournament team, and just in general, having a more prestigious conference helps in almost every way. And so, if the Big East is really, and maybe it's just they're going through a transition. They lost a lot of their programs, primarily Seton Hall and Xavier, lost top end seniors last year. Well, and then Villanova had four draft picks. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I don't, and, and it's weird how, I mean, people were predicting a lull for Villanova, but not really. And so maybe people just kind of gave Villanova too much of the benefit of the doubt, and it's sort of course correcting a little bit here. I mean, losing to Furman is an aggressive course correction, but yeah. um, anyway, I just think I just wanted to point out that I'm worried about the Big East as a conference as a whole. Um, and the fact that the Big Ten, basically any team that was supposed to be competitive in the Big Ten this year just cleaned up against the Big East this week in the Gavit games was really yeah. tough to watch. Say so the three wins that the conference got in the Gavit games were St. John's, who was aggressively better than Rutgers right. at Rutgers. That's not fair. Georgetown beat Illinois away, but Illinois was missing one of their starters, who was in concussion protocol, and Trent Frazier. And definitely, it was still a close game. And Illinois is definitely not the elite of the Big Ten right now. Right. And then DePaul beat Penn yeah. State. And DePaul beat Penn State. But <laughs> Penn State did lose Tony Carr. Did have sort of a lack of seniors that carried them to the NIT championship last year. So I mean, DePaul looks... Randomly nice win for DePaul. Yeah. DePaul looks like they're not going to finish last in this conference, which is kind of funny to me. Yeah, but I mean, I will wait to see them yeah, actually that's perform a good in the conference. But, Max, but the combination of Max Truce and Eli Kane might be the real deal. It, it, you've, again, I'll, 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 I'll Hot wait. Hot takes only Hot by takes. Sam Newman. Yeah, I guess. That's uh, that's aggressive. Okay, let's talk about Brooklyn. Um, oh, can we not? Can uh, we please not? <laughs> I mean, I, here's the thing. is There's probably not going to be much we could say. 
because we don't really need to analytically break down the Kansas game because I kind of think the Indiana game has given us as much as we need to know about the Kansas game. I don't think it necessarily goes exactly the same way. I think Indiana has helped a ton by the fact that that was a home game for them. Um, But I do think uh, Kansas is, in my opinion, Kansas and Duke are sort of ahead above any other team in basketball right now. Uh, Virginia... The analytics program, uh, you know, websites would tell you that Virginia might be on that level, but you know, talent-wise, Kansas and Duke, top to bottom, just incredible. And so, there's so many different ways that Kansas can beat you. Um, they have probably a they have a deeper roster than Duke does. Duke has sort of the three top line freshman talents, um, but Kansas, I mean, they are. Kansas just, is eight or nine deep. Legere right. Vick is popping off. Dedrick Lawson might be, you know, a top five player in America. Oh my god, he made seven threes again. Yeah. Legerald Vick made seven I didn't even look that yeah, up. No, Le- oh Legerald Vick has figured out how to shoot again. They have um the guy yeah. whose name I can never pronounce. Uh like, Azabuki. Yeah, Azabuki is going to just absolutely slaughter the Marquette well, interior. So I actually think Theo John is like qualified to at least as long as he's not just like laying his hands on him and fouling, and like getting fouled out of the game three minutes in, like he gets two fouls on the first three defensive possessions. That is when you go into like Panic. DEFCON four with Marquette there. But um, the I actually think Theo John like as as much as anyone is like a decent as much as anyone can do anything about seven foot two seventy yeah. with just like legitimately great touch around the rim. Theo John's probably a guy that could at least put up some sort of resistance. Do I expect them to be able to slow him considerably? Not really. Um, but yeah, I mean, LeGerald Vick, like, is completely unexpected for this team. I mean, I think uh, a lot of the what I've been hearing about it is they had fully expected him to not come back and slash maybe they didn't even want him to th- come back. I think they gave his old number They did give away. his, yeah, like, they gave his number to Charlie Moore. To, he wasn't supposed to be on this roster. Yeah. Charlie Moore is a yeah. California uh, transfer. Yeah. He sat one to play three, and this is his first year of playing. And they gave him LeGerald Vick's number before LeGerald Vick came back to the program. Yeah. Um, so, but and but he's been incredible. I mean, against Vermont and against they played uh, Louisiana, who I believe is I believe that's the new name for Louisiana Lafayette. Um, they've sort of tried to. That's the Raging Cajuns. Uh, it is the Raging Cajuns. Um, but, uh, yeah, against Vermont, uh, Vic had uh, 32 points, 8 of 8 from 3. Against Louisiana, Vic had uh, 33 points, 7 of 12 from 3. I mean, that is just, that's... Absurd. That's, like, absolutely bona fide star-making back-to-back performances by a dude that was an afterthought for a team that is filled with potential stars. Yes. So I mean, that's, like, impossible. Like, what can you do? Charlie Moore transferred as, from being California's only good player... To sit behind, uh, uh, what's his name? Quinn Grimes. Quinn Grimes and Dodson. Devin Dodson. Yeah, yeah. Devin Dodson. And then you have Dedrick Lawson at one of the forwards. You have the other Lawson. The other Lawson actually isn't playing almost at all, but Dedrick is is legit. You have stupid amounts of talent on this team. I just... I want... There's something internally that's just saying Kansas by 100. Right. Well, I, so I don't think that'll happen. Here's but. here's Marquette's path, I think, to competency in this game. I don't expect them to win it. I don't expect them to be ahead for much of it at all. Um, what I do think that they can do to stay in the game is to play really solid offensively. Um, if sort of Marcus Howard is 
um, having a gunner game where he's really shooting the ball well. Um, if Chartouni is penetrating and dishing and finding open shooters, Sam Hauser's having a good shooting game, Joey scoring effectively. I think that there's a way that if sort of an offensive game breaks out and Marquette is shooting well, like they were at the end of the Presbyterian game, um, that they could hang with them. Um, yeah. but, but I don't really, I think that that's sort of a coin flip, whether they're playing well offensively or not at this point, especially against a competent athletic defensive team like Kansas. Um, and I ju- there's just not much path for any sort of optimism here. If Marquette doesn't get everything clicking quick, this is going to be ugly. Oh yeah, by the under twelve. I mean, if it's yeah, if it's if they come in with any sort of like not lack of preparation necessarily, but whatever the start of the Indiana game was attributed to, if they come in with any sort of that, I mean, Kansas is gonna blow them off the court. Like it's it's yeah. just not it's not gonna even be. Yeah. It's, um, it's not even going to be worth talking about. No. Uh, I think that in that case, um, the the realistic scenario here, I think, is probably Kansas by like 18. 20. Yeah, sure. Um, something, something above 10 for sure. Yeah, I, I just don't see a way Marquette wins this game. I would, again, love to be proven wrong. Um, but oh, I yeah. Just, be, I mean, that'd be a defining win. Yeah, but I just I don't see it. Um, no, not at all. I'm a lot more focused on... Getting, I would. I think Tennessee is really, really good this year. I also agree. And, um, I don't see a way in which Tennessee loses to Louisville. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I'm much more focused on that Louisville matchup. Yeah, and I think that that's fair because I think Louisville is a team that losing, given how they sort of are in the pecking order of the ACC right now. Um, Ken Palm has them ranked 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9th in the Big East, or in the ACC, excuse me. Well, it used to be in the Big East. 9th in the ACC, um, and so a loss on a neutral court, close or not close, may not age well No, that... um, at the end of the season. So that feels like a game where Marquette is more talented than a year one Chris Mack program um, that has gone through a ton of roster turnover just as a result of sort of all the scandal and all the stuff going on around the program. That feels like a team that might not be able to hold it together over a long term and that if you lose to them in a game in Brooklyn um, where, again, maybe your team isn't putting it together at this stage like Marquette really hasn't been able to yet, um, that's really not going to age well. No, that we have to be one and one somehow yeah. in Brooklyn. Um Tennessee Tennessee I would be okay with playing a good game against Tennessee. Yeah. I don't I still just don't want to be 0 and 2 in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um I think that if we if we do lose and see Tennessee it's fine to go 0 and 2. It's not good, yeah. but it's fine. By the way, uh Grant Williams is number 1 on Ken Palm's player of the year. Yeah, right that now. doesn't Tennessee's 6-7 yeah. uh swing guys. Yeah, that's scary. But um, yeah, Louisville is not supposed like Louisville is. Correct me if I'm wrong. Somewhere in like the mid 60s for Ken. Ah, uh, they're up to 54. Okay, but, but they're yeah. I mean, they they're, s- they're equivalent to you know a middle of the road. They just played a close yeah. game with Vermont. Now yeah. Kansas played a fairly close game with Vermont, but Kansas blew that open at the end. Yeah. Um. The uh, and I guess Vermont sort of made it close at the end. It wasn't really close. Now that I'm looking at it, because. Mm-hmm. Louisville was up by 20. So Louisville's competent, though, but Marquette needs to stop start beating competent teams yeah. is what we're saying. And if they come out flat against Louisville and they 
you know, don't play a good game there at all, then I mean, then I guess you're really going to start to ask questions like, can this team compete with, you know, uh, tournament caliber teams? And if that answer continues to be no, then it's going to be hard, especially again, as we're saying, if the league is looking weaker and weaker as the season goes on, it's going to be a real, it's going to start to be a real tough spot for Marquette to start showing that they're worthy of including um, among, you know, sort of the second or third tier, depending on how you look at it, of uh, competent teams, like they sort of were being included early in the season. Yeah, and I mean, I think that the biggest concern I have going forward for this team is that uh, Indiana gave any competent team a blueprint to run Marquette out of the building. Yeah. It it didn't help that Marquette wasn't hitting shots, but... You double Marcus Howard, force somebody else to you know be a somebody to step up, and you know nobody did. And yeah, so you can attribute some of it to like I said, missing shots and things not falling. But the defense fell apart against any sort of athleticism or talent. Um, and so I'm I'm really worried about a Kansas State now instead of being like oh cautiously oh, oh yeah. yeah instead of right. being like cautiously optimistic like hey maybe we can actually get a really good win that home. game was an opportunity yeah. and now it feels more like survival at this point yeah and i'm you know cardinal sin of marquette basketball fandom i'm worried about the wisconsin game now yeah. i wasn't worried about no that i game wasn't either but until, now i am for sure yeah um after the indiana game and after the very lackluster performance for 30 minutes against uh presbyterian uh, there's not a safe game on the schedule anymore in terms of, like, yeah, so we're going to beat Charleston Southern. We're going to beat, you know, all these other teams. We, we have really need to stop doing what we did in the Presbyterian first half, though, yeah. against teams like Charleston exactly. Southern. But we're, we're going to be the teams like that, but, man, we cannot, like, if we, I think we're going to lose to Buffalo at this point at home. I mean that's a tough game. Yeah. Here, here's what here's what I guess I would say is that Marquette is gonna play five ish legit teams before Christmas at this point, and eventually they're gonna have to s- start finding momentum against one of them. Yeah. Because if they don't, I just I mean there's just no there's no path forward. No. So I think. I am still optimistic that you're going to see it. These tests are going to sharpen them. And it, God, I think the pressure is going to be so off them against Kansas that they might be able to at least Scare put them. forth yeah. something positive. Um, but again, um, I don't think they have a chance to win. And I think they're going to have to end up taking advantage of that second game probably against Louisville. Um, and then sort of really focusing on making sure they get something out of Kansas State and Wisconsin. Um, because again, those are their last two high major tests before conference, yeah. and I think that those are going to be really. If the Big East is down like it has looked so far this year, yeah. um, you know the Big East might be a three bid league, yeah. and if you if you were going to go even eleven and seven in a three bid league, but you lose to every competent team you played outside the league, you're probably not getting a bid. Or if you are, you're playing the first four. Marquette's a better team than that. Yeah, but we haven't seen like been shown anything. He's a better roster. Like theoretically, Marquette is a much better team than it has shown us so far. Yeah, I need that theoretical to match up with the the actual on court problem. You're gonna have to start to show it in these non conference games because you're gonna run out of opportunities, and then you're gonna have to rely on what looks like a down conference that you know obviously it's sacrilege to call the Big East a mid major, 
but um, they've looked not good, and that's yeah, just how it is. Yeah, they don't look like a good conference right now, and so it's you know you're going to start if you keep striking out again in these non-conference opportunities, you're going to start to have to uh, convert one every once in a while. Yeah. Anything else you want to say before we get out of um, here? Happy Thanksgiving to all our listeners. Yeah, that, um, <laughs> and then I'm going to immediately tank that good feeling. Okay. Um, sure. yeah, God, I don't have a better way to say this. So I'm just going to say it. What the hell is Ed Morrow doing? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I can't control him being subbed in and out. Um, Wojo played him a grand total of 12 minutes across the Indiana and Presbyterian game. He looked awful. Yeah. Um, you know, he got a couple easy layups in the Presbyterian game um, off of some decent passes by his teammates. Um, but there was one egregious possession in particular in the first half where he had like a wide open layup and missed it and then got his own offensive rebound and then missed the wide open layup again. Um, yeah. He just hasn't looked like he, had, you, you don't accidentally average 13 and 7 in the Big Ten even right. for a. At the time, bad Nebraska. Yep. Like, that doesn't happen. So what in the hell is going on? I mean, it's a great question. Um, I've obviously, he was the person when we recorded our first week podcast that I was least impressed with. Um, obviously, haven't seen much. Um, and, you know, when you see Joseph Chartuni, um, you know, step up and finally sort of start to put things together, you kind of hope, like, maybe this guy will... Um, pick it up and he hasn't yet nope. um and it would be really helpful if there was a rotational piece like an ed morrow to sort of back up uh interior size because i do think he's got the strength um to show a lot of um uh to sort of handle uh big men as a backup um option to theo john um and he uh hasn't shown anything yet but again i'm still optimistic and there's still time it just needs to start moving yeah. in the right direction soon. There's there's only so much to say, oh, it'll come with time. Because at yeah. some point, this team doesn't have a timer anymore. Right. Like, yeah, last year you could say, well, we, we do want to go back to the tournament, but like yeah. the next year's roster will be good. This is the year the roster's supposed to be good, and we don't have time to grow into right. a tough conference schedule. Because the conference isn't going to be the elite thing anymore. Yeah. We, our timer is very short, and I'm really worried about how he's looked so far. If they completely, if they completely strike out in, um, non-con, in Brooklyn, yeah. at least in Brooklyn, I yeah. mean, not totally going non-con yet. The pressure is really going to be on that Kansas State game. I think, which is not what they needed. I no. think they needed some sort of like, okay, there's positives, there's negatives. Let's hope that they can beat Kansas State. Yeah. Uh, if they go into that game sort of like, uh, if we don't beat Kansas State, our non-conference is looking really rough, then that's where I'm going to really start to worry about them. But right now, I think where we're at is we're disappointed with how they've played, especially the last two games. Um, but it's not to the point where you know, all hope is lost and they have a really good opportunity to go up against some elite competition this week and getting a result will be important um, because it'll take some of the pressure off of the future of the schedule. Yeah. But that said, not super optimistic and they're going to need to sort of channel what they produced at the end of that Presbyterian game uh, into uh, some of their play for the rest of the, yeah. the rest of the non-conference because they can't keep having those Indiana games happen. Good teams don't let that happen to them very no. often. 
No, I mean, I am Marquette's lead pessimist. Like, let's right. let's be real here. But, I, like, I still see how talented this roster is and how it can work if it all clicks, even with the defense being exposed at times. Like, this is a roster that should have competed with Indiana. This is a roster that should compete with Kansas State. This is a roster that should beat Wisconsin at home. Right. Like, there's a lot of what this roster should be. And right. not a lot of results to say it is that. Yep. So um, this is, I, I think I'm. I have no expectations for the Kansas game, so I don't care about that. We have to beat Louisville, in my opinion. Um, and then I still think the pressure's on. Um, and in one of my new favorite phrases, um, I think a big thing for me now too is that I'm not, 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 not a, a billion times not. On the Fire Wojo train, mm-hmm. I'm at least inquiring about ticket prices and sure. like departure times. Sure. Like, we haven't seen a lot of growth in this roster. Yeah, he's gotten good pieces, but we haven't seen it unify. And yeah, it is it is four games into the season. But we've seen a lot of the same problems already coming back to right. haunt Marquette. It's going to be really yeah. frustrating if they continue to display sort of the same level of um, baffling uh disappointing plays yeah um that seem like coachable fixes um like they have in years past and are squandering this good of a roster um due to sort of simple mistakes yeah i just it's just not something we can afford to fail with and you can always talk about well next year you get kobe McEwen, and you know like i i marquette fans are sick of next year and yeah even right. with this team like, this team should be competing at a higher level. Yep. So, like I said, not on the Fire Wojo train, but you at least have to start considering that maybe his system's just not working and he's not doing something. But this is, and this is where I think this non-conference schedule is going to be sort of the crux of it, is that can you go out and beat Kansas State? Can you go out and beat Wisconsin? Can you go out and beat Buffalo? Um, can you get one in Brooklyn? Like, if, if he can't do that with this roster... Um, or you know, be competitive in those games with this roster, then maybe it is starting to get to be that time. But yeah, I, but I, I'm very again, willing to give him yeah. like the the opportunity that like he has the right roster to yeah. do it. So I want I want him to succeed. Trust me, I am very anti starting over. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think we know that this week is an opportunity for that yeah. success. Um, we don't necessarily expect. A ton of cash in, but I do think we know what we're looking for. Um, and yeah, I mean, geez, we get to play the number two team in the country this yeah. week. That'll be fun. You, you don't get that opportunity all the time. Yeah, I mean, it might not be fun to watch, but it'll be fun to. I'm going to be on a train home right? for Thanksgiving, so oh, I that's at least thing. I only get to follow it on Twitter, which is for better or for worse, probably a good thing. For I'll me. probably be watching in my basement at home before I go out that night. So um, it might like home, home, not like apartment in Milwaukee home. So. That'll be very interesting, um, but uh, you know, yeah, you know, it's one of those like the pressure's off kind of games. So sure. go out and have fun and put up some results that you can call home about, right? Sure. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Hope everyone has a happy Thanksgiving. Um, and yeah, we'll be back uh, sometime early next week to talk about how Brooklyn went and look ahead to Kansas State uh, more than anything. Although there is a Charleston Southern game in between there that yeah. hopefully we'll record in front of. But sure. Thanks again for listening as always, and uh, we'll see you next week.